We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia where this podcast was recorded and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hi there, I'm Daniel Moore and you're listening to Season 3 of the Hearing Architecture Podcast, proudly sponsored by Brickworks. At the moment, we're speaking with some built environment professionals about how travelling, working and researching overseas has affected the work they're doing in Australia. Our guest in this episode is Ben Peak from Carter Williamson Architects. Ben was the recipient of the Byra Hadley Travelling Scholarship in 2014 and also participated in the Dual-like study tour in 2019. In this interview, Ben shares how taking part in a travelling scholarship while he was still studying opened doors to the profession of architecture, how experiencing buildings overseas in person has impacted his design work now, and how the relationships he established on the Dual-Luck study tour are still important for him today. I'll now hand over to Sally Sue, who is an Imagine representative based in New South Wales. Let's jump in. Today we are lucky enough to have Ben Peake join us. Ben works at Carter Williamson and Ben is definitely a, a very, very great architectural graduate that has since then um, finished uni and gone on to win several travel scholarships that has been career defining. Uh, we know Ben from our Save Our Serious campaign as a founding member and as well as his work through the Byra Hadley and Dulux Travel Scholarship. Welcome today, Ben. Thank you. Okay. Ben, can we have you share with our listeners today on some of the experiences you've had today and what led you to apply for multiple travel scholarship and how that has affected and inspired your career to date? Well, I think it goes back really to starting working at Carter Williamson and through Sean and the others in the office, getting an understanding of how broad the profession is um, and what the profession can offer you. So at the same time as I was doing my Masters of Architecture at UTS and people like Anthony Burke were getting me to question what's the role of an architect, I was sort of hearing the same questions and same conversations in practice as well. And I think through those sort of conversations, you know, Sean's a recipient of the Dulux Study Tour, the Bar Hadley, so I was aware of them and had lots of encouragement to really go out there and look for what opportunities the profession had to offer. And in turn, what we can give to the profession in some way. And I think that's something I've experienced both sides of and I feel quite fortunate for that. Today's topic as we extend uh, your experience through Dulux and Byra Hadley focuses on the importance of travel in our profession and our career development and I think both of them is notably a very reputable travel scholarship in our industry and it has definitely helped propel many of our architects, young architects forward. And I think um, if we can share with our audience the differences between the two scholarships because you've come to benefit from them in different ways and you definitely see them be able to help you progress your career in different ways as well. Can we dive into it a bit more? Absolutely. The Byron Hadley Travel and Scholarship, uh, I was awarded that when I was still studying. So I was a student recipient of that. And that was the first opportunity really I had where the scholarship or the award opened doors. 
So I would email people and say, I've received this scholarship. I'm interested in asking you questions around what is the role of the architect? You know, what does it mean? What's this profession I'm getting myself into? So I was able to speak to principals and practices, politicians, all in Sydney. And I reflect on that being like a piggyback. So I was getting a little bit of their life experience, their little practice experience before I'd even graduated. And it was helping me understand some of the questions I'd had at university around what's the role of the architect, where are we going with it, what our obligations are, you know, what can we offer to society, and getting their insights and their perspectives on it. And I really see that as a foundational scholarship. I then took me to New York and I did the same thing over there, speaking to practitioners and um, citizens in New York. And so compare that to the Dulux study tour was where I was one recipient of five people. So I was awarded it with Jen McMaster, Philip Nielsen, Carly McMahon and Alex Smith. And that was completely different because we saw ourselves as colleagues. We all had all received this thing together and were fortunate enough to spend 10 days traveling around looking at all these amazing places. So in my mind, that's sort of me arriving more fully in the profession. Whereas the Bio Hadley, in my mind, is really this memory of being a student, trying to understand more about how it works. That's amazing because I think many of us really want to win one of these travel scholarships and you've been lucky enough to win two. And, uh, and I think it's really good to hear you talk about how at different stages of your career, whether it's study or not, whether it's a profession or not, that you've approached it in a different way. Because I think you've, uh, in our previous conversation, you've touched on how that had helped you build uh, a series of advocacy work. Um, and how that also has fed back into how you approach travel and what that travel scholarship could offer. Do you want to expand on how Save Our Serious as a campaign was able to be um, also, a, you know, a broadened project that links to yeah. the two scholarships? Yeah, so when I look back at the scholarships um, and the things that I've done, I really see a connection between each of them. So the Bar Hadley was that opportunity to speak to people and ask, how should I act as an architect? Not what kind of work should I do, but what's my obligation and responsibility to society? And it happened around a time where New South Wales was going under a review of the planning legislation, like the strategic plans. And none of my friends outside of uni were interested in that. You know, so I, I felt I was this little nerd asking my questions to my friends at dinner parties or whatever what they thought of this and one of my mates Sargon who I used to live with looked at me one day and said aren't people like you just looking after this for us and that sort of cemented this well actually yeah we do have this responsibility so I've sort of been slowly taking on the idea that I had something to contribute I didn't know what that was and then when I went and did the New York study tour to save our serious sort of campaign or the the eviction of people from the social housing in Miller's Point and Sirius had started to develop in Sydney. So on return from that, and with Sean Carter, my boss's involvement as the president of the chapter of New South Wales Architects, I was like, this is something I have to be involved in. So that was really the first opportunity I had to see the potential voice that we can have as architects to advocate and speak about topics which firstly are part of our responsibility, but secondly, what you feel passionate about. 
And then the Julux, I think, being a recipient of that was a direct reflection um, and acknowledgement of the work I had done on Sirius. So the sort of those conversations I had on Barra Hadley with my friends and with the professionals I met with, then the Sirius campaign and then the Julux study tour. So I could sort of see them as these three significant chapters. That's amazing to hear because I think it's quite unique for you to describe where most often um, travel scholarship is seen as a scholarship to help support you to travel overseas or domestically to go and see places that you might not have been able to go and see but you've approached it in a unique way where you've used it as a potential to allow you to reach the people you'd like to speak to to be able to be in the cities you want to be part of in order to develop that extra layer of understanding based on research based on all of the advocacy that you've developed to date and I think it's really interesting how you frame that because your development is not purely based on going to see buildings that might be otherwise out of reach. Can you expand and touch on how that has allowed you to then possibly build a greater network that is something that's larger than the project that was within just the Dual Arts Travel Scholarship or the Bio yeah. Hadley itself? Yeah, absolutely. So for the Bio Hadley, there was a particular project. So I was interested in how architects and citizens might work together into shaping the city. So I looked at the High Line as a built environment, a built example of that in New York. You know, the story I was reading from Sydney was that that was a real grassroots community campaign that they saw this opportunity to improve part of their city and it ended up happening. You know, as I got to know more about the projects and some of its criticisms, it's much more broad than that, but that was sort of the reason I went there. And then to think that I came back and then was involved in a grassroots campaign to save a building in Sydney. There's a lot of similarities there. But to your question around getting that access to leaders, an example I'll give is, um, I know Rob Stokes, who at the time was the New South Wales Planning Minister. And I'd approached the Premier for an interview with the Premier and then the representative I got to speak to was a Minister for Planning. So I thought that was a pretty good second second person. and. Just, you know, being in a room with somebody at that time who was really instrumental in creating these plans for Sydney, I think is is not an opportunity you would get if you just knocked on a door without this sort of endorsement from the Architects Registration Board, without this title of, you know, recipient of some award. Whether or not the person you're approaching knows the significance or not, it's sort of this, you know, real good opportunity to get places you might not otherwise get. Excellent, because I think as we tease out these projects, what are some of your, your favourite methods of, you know, documenting your travels? Because that might have changed through your experience in different scholarships as well. As, you know, as students, we're always encouraged to draw. We have modern day technologies that allow us to record our travels in so many different formats now. Do you personally see yourself evolving in, you know, there might be still a favourite one that you, <laughs> you often revert to? Yeah. I do travel with a sketchbook. I've always got this romantic idea that I'll sit in the square somewhere with a drink and draw something. It's never happened. It's empty. I think I just rely on photographs. And so before I studied architecture, you know, before Instagram really, I took a digital camera around, you know, they sort of sit on a hard drive somewhere that I never get seen. But ever since Instagram has become a thing, I think I've probably shared most when I'm traveling. You know, yeah, you can go back and look at some of the photos from the Julux study tour or when I was travelling with university. There's a whole heap of content that's shared 
when I'm traveling more so probably because it, everything seems much more interesting and engaging and exciting when you're traveling around a foreign country rather than between Waterloo and Summerhill, which I do most days. <laughs> um, That's a very so yeah, interesting anecdote. Ben, it's really good to hear you talk about your travel experience today, and I think it's definitely a, you know, a great experience to travel through a scholarship because many of it uh, has an intent and the network of people in there have the same goals and ambition. And I think if we bring it back to our day-to-day -day travel, which might not be um, you know, overseas and uh, really teasing out the topic of how travel helps architects develop skills that they might not otherwise have, we're really talking about how travel is able to get you to be more hyper alert to our environment and to see spaces in a different light. And I think that makes us all a slight better designers. And I think every student in architecture, most of them anyway, would be very, very interested in how to travel to go see precedent buildings or to even uh, begin to understand spaces of different makeups. If you were to share a few tips that you've developed through the years, how do you approach travel to build it into your day-to-day -day work? Yeah, firstly, I think there's something really magical about travelling to a different place because just the way, the act of taking yourself out of the everyday makes you pick up on the differences, what's great, perhaps what's not so great. So if you think about how you might do that, you know, in your everyday practice, perhaps it's just about going to places you wouldn't normally go to even at different times of days. I remember when I was at uni and there was a few guys who were big skateboarders and they had a completely different reading about how the city, you know, the form of the city, because as they walk around, they're looking at things from a skateboarder's perspective. And I've never seen that perspective, but perhaps I could act and pretend that I'm a skateboarder and what that parts of the city might look like for me. And I think that's probably a really valuable tool for an architect to try and place yourselves in the mind of others, you know, whether it be for our clients or for the users or the community that we might be designing a building for. So if that's sort of a you know, skill set or a talent we have as designers, then surely by traveling more, looking at different places, feeling those places in different ways would help strengthen that design process or that design thinking, which I think is really helpful. That's great because I think we've uh, earlier touched on, you know, travels of different forms. I think in this current day and age, travel might be limited, but it's so good to see that it's opening up again. As a student or depending on your background and depending on your work roles, travel might not be something that is definitely um, inbuilt into the work life, let's say. And I think, you know, more often than not, uh, we have travels to do holidays and, you know, on holidays, some architects would love to see architecture, others might not. And I think to keep this a light conversation, do you ever travel and not look at architecture? How do you normally go about approaching that? <laughs> The short answer to that is no. The longer answer is that, thankfully, when I took my Bar Hadley to scholarship, that was to New York. So when I went there years later with my partner and my friends on a trip, went to Coachella and then we stopped into New York for a while, I didn't have to drag them along to every single building that I wanted to see because I'd, you know, done my hit list. But there was a moment where they were completely just over me recommending museums or different places. And we're in LA and I was like, 
guys, we have to go to case study house number 22. It's up in the hills. It's really, really cool. And they were just much more interested in going out for a drink or going out for dinner. I was like, no, this is the house you need to come and see. And so I eventually convinced them all to come up with me. And we get to this house and it's amazing. You know, you're looking out over this modernist house in the pool and LA, this beautiful sunset in the background. And one of my friends was already on her phone straight away, Instagram story, like sharing with everyone back in Sydney. And because a lot of our friends aren't architects, obviously, she said, oh, this Airbnb is pretty shit, you know? But everyone was like, oh my God, that place you're staying is amazing. You know, it's really fantastic. So I think little moments like that, they, they recognise that actually a little bit of architecture on a trip for anyone can be a great thing. <laughs> That's really good to hear you say it because I think more often than not, uh, you know, I, I get mixed views too because uh, architects either really love traveling with architects or, you know, you could be the token architect amongst a group and go travel with. And I think uh, it's all about perspectives, isn't it? I think that's what the beauty of travel is. And um, yeah. I think, um, yeah, if we were to tease it out, because you talked about case study house and I think in Australia, because if I may say so, we're a bit more remote um, most of our precedent buildings that we learn through education, more often than not, are broad ranged across the world of different eras. You know, in your personal experience, in you know, from the academic approach to learning projects through books and references, is there a learning curve in there that you, you personally have experienced that makes a difference in why travel definitely will offer you something different in this learning process? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and a specific example I'll give is the Philharmonic in Porto by OMA. And I studied that with a colleague at UTS around structure. So we sort of got the existing building and we stretched it in a couple of dimensions and re-engineered its structural systems. So the memory of that building to me was this elongated, stretched building. And then when I actually went there, it felt like this little compact <laughs> fat nugget sitting on the site and what I thought was a I think it's really still a stunning building but when I was there I realized how different it is to its context whereas when I was really just studying it is this object of architecture and engineering I had no real understanding of that I had no understanding of what it sounds like or what it feels like full of people or what it's like to see a show there it was just this sort of architectural idea and what's the value of that really beyond you know a few lovely photos and thinking something's cool i think what makes great architecture is the user experience of it what it contributes to the city what it makes people think about themselves or their culture or their ambitions for their society and when you go and see a building that you've studied or you've understood through a book to see that play out in life is really fantastic and really amazing opportunity that we get and in that instance, it was pretty good, but I can imagine there'll be some other instances where you're absolutely let down by it. You know, we're so disappointed because you've elevated it to something um, much more beyond perhaps what it actually does. So it's a two-edged sword, but so far I've been impressed mostly. That's great, because uh, it proves, uh, you know, to our topic today why it's so important to, to travel as much as you study in general, whether it's, uh, you know, yeah. different forms. And I think 
Definitely, it's so good to hear you describe all of this because I think it's very approachable in why, you know, our learning experience is much more sensory. And, and with that, I think our learning is not just through projects as well. There's also those, like you said, the peripheral research that we might be interested in. And I think having that genuine interest in, like you describe, it's about the experience, it's about the spatial qualities, good or bad, everyone approaches yeah. it differently, just like the Airbnb comment, which is yeah, fantastic because yeah, I think, uh, yeah, and, uh, that, that's where it becomes really real because when we pitch our projects and we design for other clients and other briefs, we only live one life as I think it. And I think all of this allows us to be able to then gain that extra empathy and mm -hmm. understand what it's like to have design elevate experience and I think with that I think uh, many of us will be wanting to do more of that very soon. What happens if you don't have the access for money or funding or the ability to travel to remote places because I think reflecting on what you've been able to achieve do you think if you hadn't had those experience you'd approach it differently and still kind of reach and acquire similar kind of learnings? Yeah I think back on the travel I have done. And I think I, I came to travel probably later than a lot of Australians in that my family never travelled overseas. I think my first overseas trip, I was maybe 23, and that was a work trip. So I hadn't come from... I hadn't had a lot of opportunity in my childhood to travel overseas, any at all, really. And even the first architecture study trip I did was when I was studying. And I came to architecture a little bit later, so I was working, you know, trying to support myself, trying to study, get through this thing. And overseas travel for me was just something I couldn't afford. But then by the time I got to the end of my master's, I was like, I need to do one. And I became aware that you could actually get a loan from the government and put on your hex. So I think I got a $6,000 addition to my hex bill in order to travel on that trip. And I... The last thing I really wanted to do at that time was add more money to my hex debt, but it was absolutely the right thing to do because it was the first time I travelled with a bunch of architects or future architects and to be able to speak shorthand to each other and share in those experiences of, you know, how great something is, how poor something is, you know, how much better the architecture of Venice gets, the more spritz you have in the afternoon. That, that is, you know, really the first time I said, this is fantastic, I want to do more of that, and sort of motivated me to go to these other scholarships as well. So I think, you know, if you don't come from a place where you can, you know, you've had all those family holidays or you can afford to travel more broadly, it comes back to maybe just putting yourself into different situations here. Even regional New South Wales is a fantastic place. You know, get out into some of those, you know, Dubbo, Broken Hill, parks they're all really fascinating places to go to they allow you to see the world slightly differently that's amazing to hear you describe it because i think it's very humble of you to to share with us um how you've come about to approach travel in in the way you have and i think it's that very commendable effort in deliberately curating the learning experience and how you've come to develop professionally and how that's all built in and I think I can't say it enough where it's amazing to hear you describe where every step along the way you pick up something new to allow you to then make it into something bigger and with that you've been able to move on to demonstrate how important travel is and the value of a travel scholarship and I think 
the founders of these trailer scholarships will be very impressed and pleased to hear you. Really. It's so generous, really. You know, you think back to, you know, the Bayer Hadley Travelling Scholarship. I'm not sure when that bequeath was given, but it's gone on to fund the travel of, you know, hundreds of people over its over its timeline. So it's a pretty amazing legacy from somebody. And then for Dulux to think they're investing in, you know, emerging architects and the profession to sell paint. And obviously there's a marketing and a commercial aspect to it as well. But it's just one example of the generosity I think you find in our profession. People giving over their time to be interviewed for me, you know, people doing podcasts like this, the travelling scholarships, all that sort of stuff I think is really rewarding and enriching. You know, I just think it's a great opportunity for people to go for. Definitely, because I think uh, through this podcast, I'm sure lots of people will be wanting to talk to you on how to go and apply for a travel scholarship after this, <laughs> because I think, uh, yeah, it's not to be underestimated on what a one-off travel scholarship is able to make a difference in the long term. And I think I see that's why it's, it's considered as an investment. Our learning from that one experience doesn't stop, and I'm sure you'll continue to reference it as you progress. And I think it's, uh, that brings me to a very good point where I'm very pleased to congratulate Ben publicly. <laughs> and by the time we record this, he would definitely be, uh, you know, very well known as the design director of Carter Williamson. And I think uh, with that, if I may uh, shift the conversation a little, as we talk about all of this today and in your new role now, how do you fold all of this in and how do you then begin to lead a team in your current office to also then pass on some of these um, experiences? Because I think I'm sure in your day-to-day role, you'll continue to develop projects and uh, be continually building your portfolio of, you know, of travel experiences to kind of enrich your own uh, work and that design style, whether it continues to take inspiration from your travels or the networks that you begin to build, the dialogues that you have. Can you share with us a bit more yeah. on where, where it is now and where it's going? Yeah, I think a couple of things there. So Sean has had great leadership and he's a very generous person in the practice as well. So it's really about, you know, creating a good environment for people there. and. I interviewed Adam Haddow for my Barra Hadley as well. And the question I asked everybody was, what are you doing to meet your obligations as an architect to work towards the common good, you know, the public interest? Because at that time, it was a requirement of the code of conduct. You know, a lot of people spoke about the architecture they make, the type of work they do, the contribution to the city. But Adam's was, I just want to make an environment where people can excel. And that sort of resonated through... You know, I see Sean doing that in the studio and I really see that as, you know, being part of the leadership team now is really creating an environment where everyone can do their best work and everyone can make a contribution that they want to make. So I think that's sort of what I'm going to be focusing on as I go into this role. And if we talk about, you know, architecture and projects more specifically, I remember when I started, I was amazed at how some people in the office, particularly Sean, could just remember all these projects, you know, and that's a skill set I've seen myself develop over, you know, the years, whereas we sort of have this game where someone's thinking of a project and they might name a few aspects of it and, you know, the first person to jump in with a reference gets the imaginary point. Um, So I think there's just something that comes with experience something that comes with looking at architecture, considering it, you know, following the work of your peers and looking internationally as well. 
I can't really draw a line to say this is how it's influenced it, but I know there are all these precedents and all these experiences somewhere around that may come out in different ways. That's amazing because I think it really does um, enhance on our topic today because we've been able to cover, you know, what the travel scholarship was about. We've been able to cover on how that really has helped us professionally develop. And I think the value of travel, as you described, is not purely as a one-off, but it's also about the scale of travel. Like you said, it could be in our neighbourhood and it could be as far as a foreign country that you've never been. And I think getting lost in it or having issues with communicating because it's a complete foreign country where the English isn't their primary language. So I think that's, that's so good to have you describe that. About a year ago, I went to Adelaide for a little mini break with my partner and we... We were working in the mornings and then at lunchtime we'd go out for lunch somewhere. We would go for a drink in a bar. And every day I pretty much went to a project by SciArc or SansArc down there. So these really great designers have done a bunch of restaurants and a bunch of bars and things. So the itinerary of that little mini break was just based on one architecture practice and the work that they've been doing in the city over the last few years. And, you know, they were, the people who invest in good architecture were also investing in having good food and, you know, good drinks and things as well. So it's almost like you could just follow the good architecture around and get the best out of the city. So, Ben, as we reach to the you know, conclusion of this podcast today, it's really uh, lovely to hear you talk about it in such a personal way because I remember you talking about how both of them has definitely helped you in your career, but what you value the most seems to be you know, the network that you build and the friendship along the way. And can you tell us a bit more why that unique um, you know, development with the alumni and the, the travel kind of scholarship winners that had helped you even until today and you expect to continue that relationship? The Julux study tour in particular, I found it was a really great opportunity to build relationships with people outside of my circle. So the fact that it's a national prize and we've got people from Victoria, Tasmania, you know, regional New South Wales, coming together for this amazing 10-day experience not to mention the people that come along on the trip. So you have representatives from the Institute, representatives from Julux, and then architecture media as well. So it's sort of the fascinating conversations and travel experience that we all share together mean that now I have you know, other architect friends interstate, which is, I think, a harder thing to develop, particularly you know, your early career where architecture is so focused. You know, particularly a lot of the work we do is in housing. So, you know, we're in a city sort of areas and without finding a way to break down those boundaries, I think it can become quite regional as in quite localised. So that was a really fascinating experience because not only did we have all these similarities because we've gone through similar training and day-to-day we're dealing with similar things, but there's differences as well. So differences between our sizes of our practice the stages of our careers, what things were particularly going on at the time, and that sort of mixing pot of personalities and interests I found super fascinating. And friendships now, you know, Philip Nielsen, for example, was in Sydney recently being a jury member for the New South Wales Architecture Awards, so we caught up and had dinner. So those sort of, you know, long-lasting friendships that come out of that are really fantastic. That's amazing. So extending on that, I think... um 
what you benefit from it is, is something that you definitely value. And if you were to then share a few tips for students that are studying today, that are looking to you know grow their career in a different way, these scholarships are available every year. And I think they only get better and better. And uh, no matter you know the travel restrictions, we certainly pivot to allow for it to be a very meaningful experience. If you were to share a few mm. tips for anyone looking to apply for, or even plan their own travel, what kind of tips would you be able to give and share that you think is definitely important to pitching the right uh, project for these um, scholarship yeah. organizations? Looking back, when I was at uni, I joined SONA, which is the Student Network of Architects. It's part of the Institute of Architecture. And then that gave me opportunity or interest, I guess, to go to different events, sort of hear what the profession was thinking, where it was going, and therefore became aware of the scholarships and the other things happening outside of university and outside of practice in the profession more broadly. And I think that's really valuable regardless of where you are in your career because I think it's too easy just to have blinkers on and really only be thinking about it concerned with what's in front of you at the time, whereas the best moments I've had in the profession is when we all come together. So if, you know, we had thousands of architects involved in the Save Our Serious campaign, you know, meeting people on the Dulux study tour or speaking to architects in Sydney and New York on the Borough Hadley sort of takes me out of my day-to-day, takes me out of what I ever had at work or at uni and has that breadth of experience. And that's what I see travel as, you know, taking you out of your everyday, putting you into a new places, sharing with you new experiences or showing you different things. So I think, yeah, if you could be mindful that the profession is really broad, what it has to offer is really broad, and what you can contribute to it is really broad. That's amazing. I think that's a very good way to conclude our episode because I think most of us just can't wait to get travelling again. This has been Hearing Architecture, proudly sponsored by Brickworks. Thank you so much for listening and thank you again to our guest in this episode, Ben Peak. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast. We can't wait to see what you and Carter Williamson Architects does next. Our sponsor Brickworks also produce podcasts by architecture fanatic and comedian Tim Ross. If you'd like to hear some amazing architects, if you'd like to hear from some amazing If you'd like to hear from some amazing architects, you can find The Art of Living, Architects Abroad and The Power of Two at brickworks.com.au or your favourite podcast platform. The more support we get from you, the more episodes we get to make. So if you'd like to show your support, please rate, review and subscribe to Hearing Architecture in your favourite podcast app. If you want to know more about what the Australian Institute of Architects is doing to support architects and the community, please visit architecture.com.au. This is a production by the Australian Institute of Architects Emerging Architects and Graduates Network in collaboration with Open Creative Studio. The Institute production team was Madeline Jenkins and Claudia McCarthy, and the Imagine production team was Sally Sue. This interview was edited by Pete Carter at Pillow Fort Audio Productions, written and directed by Daniel Moore. 
This content is brought to you by the Australian Institute of Architects, Emerging Architects and Graduates Network in collaboration with Open Creative Studio. This content does not take into account specific circumstances and should not be relied on in that way. This content does not constitute legal, financial, insurance or other types of advice. You should seek independent verification of advice before relying on this content in circumstances where loss or damage may result. The Institute endeavours to publish content that is accurate at the time it is published, but does not accept responsibility for content that may or will become inaccurate over time.